Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. And uh, how is your summer so far? This is what I've noticed about summer. So far, June and September, those are our hottest months, right? I don't know what's happened with that. but uh, And just so you know, if you're newer to Canada... It only gets worse from here. Yeah, it's not like it gets warmer and warmer till January. I promise you that does not happen. And, uh, you know, I've been in uh, Winnipeg for 25 years. I remember when I first moved to Winnipeg, there was tons of mosquitoes. And uh, we actually, it was our Manitoba's provincial bird, right? was a mosquito because there were so many of them and they were huge things. But has this not been replaced over the last year? What is the problem this year? Wasps. You see wasps everywhere, and I'll be getting to mention wasps again in a few moments, but uh, that has really been a struggle. Uh, this morning, though, I want to focus on um, something that actually happened uh, three weeks and about five hours ago. So, does anybody know what happened? We had a power outage here, just the church building. And how many people were around for that? That's right. If you were actually going to second service, you'll see that actually that things uh, got rectified by that time. The power went on, I think, about 11 o'clock. And uh, it was uh, great to see, actually, our uh, on-the-ball tech team. They, uh, they, you know, the automatic generator came on. They rigged up some speakers, and everything uh, went as good as could be expected on that day. But those things can sometimes happen to us, right, when the unexpected happens in our life. And I remember that morning... Uh, I was in second service, and uh, Pastor Mark, he, he, he uh, mentioned that, uh, that God gave him uh, a word to say, expect the unexpected. And I want you to think about that, is how do you do that, practically speaking, in your life? How do you expect the unexpected? How do you prepare yourselves for those things that happen that you are simply not expecting? And, um, you know, when the things that go wrong are things... Those are somewhat manageable. There's some exceptions, but generally speaking, when things go wrong and things go out of kilter, you know, you can kind of deal with them. So uh, if your check engine light goes on, if your refrigerator breaks, if your uh, dishwasher starts to leak, these are all things that go wrong. And these may be all things that happened to me in the last couple of months, actually. And, uh, and so uh, these things, these unexpected things happen in your life. But it is actually more stressful for us when the unexpected happens to people, and especially people that we love. And uh, when we think about it, we think about, uh, you know, if you lose a loved one, if uh, a loved one is sick, if, uh, you know, if somebody you're dating and you think they're the one, all of a sudden it becomes apparent that they aren't the one. Uh, maybe you have uh, some uh, struggle like uh, of uh, unforgiveness or somebody offends you or you offend somebody. But these things that they're all ex- unexpected, that they happen in our life. And what do we do as people when those unexpected things happen in our lives? And uh, I have an acronym for it here about how we can stand in the gap when the, there's a gap between what we is happening to us and what we expect to happen. And the first is is to uh, give community a chance. And the second is is to act on your faith. And the third is that we pray expectantly. And uh, so uh, 
for this first thing about uh, unexpected things happening, I had uh, something happen to me, and uh, this is, a, honestly, it's one of the terrible things that have happened to me in my life, although it only lasted a little while, so it was okay, so I was able to go through it. So anyway, to set the stage, so this summer, I'm away at a cabin for uh, eight days in uh, uh, in the Kenora area, and uh, so I'm away from my house, probably away from my house for a couple weeks or so. And so anyway, I come back, and uh, I uh, and my house is full of community. So I have a bunch of relatives over, and all of that. So when all the relatives are over, you know what? That's a cue for me to do to leave and to uh, get into the backyard. That's that's what my cue is, because I'm an introvert at heart. And luckily, I have a job, so I have an excuse to be outside. So I have a little tree that I actually need to uh, to plant. And so anyway, I'm, uh, you know, while the house is full of people, I'm, I happily go outside, you know, dig the hole for the tree, but I'm missing a little bit of dirt. And I have an idea, and I'm like, you know what? I know where I could get some good dirt. I'm going to go to my compost pile and get some dirt, and this will really help this uh, tree to grow. So what I do is, is I, you know, I grab my spade and I go over to my compost pile, which I hadn't been in. Usually I'm fastidious with it, but I hadn't been around it for a couple of weeks. There's a little gate at the bottom. I open it up like this and I jab my spade into the bottom of the composter. That is when literally hell breaks loose because uh, I had put the spade into a wasp's nest. And the wasps, instantly, it felt like I got hit in the face with a shotgun blast. Instantly, hit me right in the face. I didn't even know what to do. I actually have a picture of it. It's a bit low resolution, but there's a picture of it. So you can tell it's me because of the haircut. That's how you can tell it's me. And yeah, the hair's a little long. I let it grow out over the summer. And so... uh, That is, honest to goodness, what happened to me. And so what I do is I run into the house as quickly as I can to get help for a refuge. But guess what? My family, my community, they don't give me help right away. So even though the house is full of people, nobody helps me out. Do you know why? They're all worried about the wasps I brought in because I brought in several wasps with me. So they're flying around, and I'm so over in the corner. No one is even looking at me. They're like, oh, look at all these wasps. Look at all these wasps. Meanwhile, I am dying. I got, like, I got bit like over a dozen times. I will say that eventually, once the wasps were taken care of, I got a lot of, my wife was great, she put stuff all over, had a Benadryl, put all the stuff on me, and I healed up in a couple of weeks. But I share that story because sometimes you have to give community a chance to do those things. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when you enter into community, you know, there's some metaphorical wasps that you need to take care of before you are able to move on. And... uh, and so, uh, you know, and you have to give community a chance. And uh, when something unexpected happens like that, there can be a lot of fear that happens. You know, in the early church, we actually see that the Holy Spirit is poured out on the people. Thousands of people become Christians every day. This great uh, awakening of the church happens. But then, of course, it causes problems with the authorities. And the people are not happy about all these Christian people. So then, uh, and people are actually even killed for it. Christians are killed. Uh, we see the uh, martyr, Stephen, that he's killed during that time. 
And all during that time, Saul, who who went on to be uh, Paul the Apostle, he is actually uh, agreeing with these Christians being killed. But then one day, Saul, he goes to Damascus, and he experiences, of course, what is known later on as the Damascus Road to Experience. Jesus comes into his life in an unexpected way, and uh, through it all, that that Saul, he becomes a Christian, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. But before he becomes part of the community, there actually needs something needs to happen, that, that because he had killed Christians, he was not all that popular with the disciples. And we think of these disciples, these are people you name your kids after, you know, Peter and James and John, these stalwarts of the early church, yet they were scared of of Saul. And then I pick up the story in Acts uh, 9. When he, talking about Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So see how Paul, he was Saul, he was originally rejected by the community, but by the end of it, he actually was able to move around uh, freely in the community. And you know, someone had to take a risk for that to happen. That did not just happen by accident. Barnabas, the encourager, actually had to step in and actually be a bridge between the community of good people and Saul, who was also a good person, and somebody needed to be the bridge. Somebody needed to take the risk. Sometimes it could be the person, Paul, actually coming into community and, and uh, you know, he might bring some metaphorical wasps in with him. But somebody needs to stand up and to allow somebody into the community. And then the community itself has to not just shut itself off from the people, but has to welcome with open arms as well. And it is a risk. You know, before I wax on too eloquently about the benefits of community, like church groups and the like, and why we are reluctant to join, do you know why sometimes it's hard to join groups? Because they're full of sinful people just like you folks, right? Just like me, just like Pastor Aubrey, all sinners. And where you have sinners, you have some struggle. And sometimes uh, people are competitive. Sometimes people have addictions. Sometimes people have struggles. And guess what? We are all people, right? We are part of that set. So sometimes you need to give community a chance to do its work and to be a refuge for for you. You know, we have a ton of communities, like uh, home groups, large groups. Uh, Pastor Aubrey mentioned a bunch of them, like with the grief share, uh, support groups, all of those types of things. And... uh, And it's actually, if you're new here, I'll say September is a great time to join. There'll be a ton of opportunities for you in the next little while. But can I give you, (coughs) but can I give you a confession? This is my confession. I'll confess to Pastor Aubrey since he's my boss. I'm Pastor Steve, and I struggle being part of groups. Not leading groups, not 
creating groups, not having ideas for other people to attend groups, but for me, myself, to be part of a group just so that the community can do its uh, work in me. It's a struggle for me. And uh, I had an interesting thing happen to me in this past uh, few months. Is uh, My wife, and this has been going on for about the last couple of years, she's part of a group, and uh, they, they are known as the Beautiful Ladies Home Group. And uh, I love this group, Beautiful Ladies Home Group. They're great. They met on Monday nights all this time, because guess why? I'm clearly not a beautiful lady. And so I'm not invited to the group. I'm giddy thinking about it. I get to do what I want. I get to run or golf or do anything that I like to do. And then something terrible happened a few months ago. Some husbands started to come to the group. And then guess what happened? I was invited to come to the group. And I didn't have a good excuse not to join. And uh, so I called this group a little bit dismissively at the beginning, but I called it the blah group. Uh, Beautiful ladies and handsome husbands, the blah group. Nevertheless, can I tell you, I love the group. And, uh, but it took me a little while to get there. It was not immediately obvious to me that this was going to be good for my heart and soul to be part of the group. But it has been something that's actually been really life-giving uh, for me. Uh, you know, in the book of Ecclesiastes is this beautiful verses that's actually often said at weddings. And what it's really about, it's not so much about weddings, it is more, or the marriage relationship, it is more about the power of community, which of course, you know, marriages are a subset of. But I read from the screen. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And, uh, you know, I love those uh, verses because it shows the power of community. I have three strands here. And uh, so uh, who thinks I can break this? Yes, thank you, young man. Appreciate the thing. And I'm just breaking these one at a time here. And this is one strand, right, that they can break. Now, this one is three strands came together. I've been hoofing on this thing all week long, so hopefully it doesn't fail in this moment. But, and, uh, but it is three strands, and I still can't break it. I can, I can, I, I, I'm seriously giving it my all right now. And I cannot break it. And uh, I think what it tells you, it's a great illustration of, um, of the power of community. But you have to be in close contact. See, the three, even though they were kind of side-by-side parallel, it's only helpful when they're kind of wrapped together, when they are close to each other. And such is the power of community. They don't help when you're kind of just parallel playing, if you will. You know, in my normal Bible reading, this has happened a couple of months ago, I loved this story, and this is the story of uh, King Uzziah. So King Uzziah was one of Judah's kings, and it was uh, towards the end of uh, uh, Judah's kind of free reign as a, as, a, as a nation. And what happened was, is that they kind of had good king, bad king. Good king, bad king, good king, bad king. And King Uzziah, for decades, was a good king. He brought reform. There's, uh, uh, there was uh, getting rid of the idols. There's all these great things that happened. But towards the end of his life, he actually kind of went his own way. And so he actually gets uh, confronted by the priest at that time, King Azariah. And then I pick up the story there. 
But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. And just so you know, the story goes on. Uzziah dies of a terrible uh, uh, skin infection and all this sort of stuff. But what I don't want you to forget there is that he was with 80 other priests. Like, it just wasn't himself. You know, if a court of three strands is strong. How about 80? So they could even go and confront the king, who's like the most uh, powerful person there, and that he can be confronted by those people. I get a kick out of the visual of it. You know, he, you know, uh, Uzziah's doing the priest's job, which he shouldn't be doing, and then Azariah like, like taps him on the shoulder and says, uh, oh, excuse me, sir, if I bring a few of my friends, we got a conversation and talk. And then like, Five, ten, and then eighty, right? Like, like eighty people need to come in, and I get such a kick out of it because Azariah, he knows that he needs the strength of a community to be behind him, and we are so much stronger when we are together, and um, and so that's the first thing is that you need to give community a chance if you are going to go through and, and expect the unexpected, if you're going to successfully work on that. And the second is, is you need to act on your faith. So there comes a moment, like with Azariah, he had to do the actual speaking. He had to actually tap the king on the shoulder. But um, he had to do it. So he had the power of communities behind him, but he needed to act. So uh, I'll tell you another story uh, from my summer. And so this is what happened. So uh, I went uh, boating with, uh, with, uh, um, with a couple, actually, from our small group. See, there are advantages to being part of a small group. And uh, so we were, we were boating out at, uh, uh, near the Falcon Lake area. And so we're boating around there. And then the idea came up for cliff diving. Okay, cliff diving. And I don't know what possessed me in that moment because I don't like water. I can't swim. I'm not a water animal at all. Never cliff dive before. But I said, I'm in. That's what I did. I said, I'm in. I'm into cliff diving. And so anyway, we go and we boat to the... And as soon as we get close to the area, I'm like, Those are, there's three tiers. But even the lowest one seems super high to me. I'm like, oh my goodness. What have I gotten myself into? But anyway, I still have some courage. So I... Jump into the uh, jump into the water with my life jacket, doggy paddle to the to the shore, and uh, then I climb up. And so here I'm only climbing up six steps, but I swear it was like thirty steps at least at the actual place. And I'm here, and then the water's beneath me, and I'm like, "Holy cow, that's high!" And uh, then my daughter, she uh, goes off. She's twenty something. She's fearless, and she jumps off like this. And she jumps off, so as happy as could be. Can I tell you, did not help me a bit. Did not help me a bit. And uh, actually, in that moment, I actually lost my courage. I'm like, this is not life and death. Why, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I doing this? I don't need to do it. So I start doing the walk of shame down the steps, down the, down the path. And then the, third, the other lady that was with us, she's around my age. And then she jumps off. And she jumps off like nobody's business. And can I tell you, that caused me to pause. Like I was like, huh, she was able to do it. 
Maybe I can do it. So I reluctantly come back up the steps. I come back up the path. I stand up. I can tell you my whole being didn't want to jump into the water. My whole being didn't want to. And then I jump off. And as I'm jumping off, I yell, no! I plunge much deeper than I thought was possible. I'm like, when is the buoyant force going to take over here and help me out? But eventually I pop back up and I'm fine. And then so, of course, I, uh, I swim to shore, put my life jacket back on, go back to the boat, and uh, everything ended well. But you know what caused me? I had to act in that moment. Certainly community helped me. Community helped me. Without that lady jumping, I would not have jumped off. But in that moment, I needed to act. And so when things that are unexpected happen to us, sometimes we need to take a deep breath and we need to act in faith. So that last one's kind of a more flippant one, but this one is actually kind of a more serious one. And uh, it's a small example, but I think, I, I think it's a good one. And uh, um, I know this uh, young fellow, I actually uh, mentor him, and uh, he's, uh, he's an elementary school teacher. And uh, so he's just started teaching. You know, the public school system isn't necessarily full of, you know, uh, Christian thinking, if you will. And uh, so anyway, a little girl came to him on the playground one day and said this to him. And said, uh, I'm a girl, but I like boy things. And then that teacher, without missing a beat, said this. Said, that's okay that you like boy things, but you're a girl. And you'll always be a girl. And you know, I was so proud of him in that moment because he had the courage to act, which kind of maybe went against how some of the uh, the thinking goes in our public school systems today. Not I'm not um, trying to rag on the public school system, but at least in that area, you know, it's not always friendly with our Christian values. And and, uh, you know, there's so much in our cultural moment right now about, you know, definitions of what a man is and what a woman is. And to me, just to stand up for that in that moment, I thought it took a lot of courage and I was so proud of him. And, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, what can little old me do in a situation like that? And uh, my favorite story regarding that is just how a few people can make a difference is actually uh, Abraham. And so uh, in, that, uh, in the story with Abraham, he's living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah are living an unrighteous uh, life, the, the terrible life, and, uh, and the people are immoral. And uh, so God is going to destroy the, those cities. And so uh, what Abraham does is he appeals to God to say, don't destroy those cities. And he goes and asks God, it sounds like almost like a negotiation, like a Turkish bazaar or something. And he says, for 50 people, will you, uh, 50 righteous people, will you not destroy those cities? And then God says, you know, for 50 righteous people, I won't destroy it. And then, so he feels emboldened by that, and it's like 40 people. So he, say, he asks God the question about 40, 40 righteous people. And he whittles them all the way down to 10 righteous people. And then God's saying, it won't destroy it for 10 righteous people. And, uh, but apparently God can't even find 10 righteous people because, you know, because those cities end up being destroyed. But what I don't want you to miss in that is that it just took 10 righteous people to change two cities. Can you imagine that? 10 righteous people. We don't, sometimes we think, little old me, what difference can I make? You can make all the difference in the world, but you need to act. 
You cannot just uh, rely on your community, as important as community is, but there kind of time, time comes for each of us where we need to overcome our fear and to act. In the great um, uh, faith chapter in Hebrews 11, we, we see this definition of faith. Faith is being certain of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. And uh, what I love about that is that it gives that definition of faith, but then all the examples afterwards are about faithfulness, about how faith actually works its way into action. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah built a boat to save mankind. By faith, um, Moses' parents uh, protected Moses. By faith, uh, Moses... um, Chose, not, chose to be mistreated along with God's people. In each of those things, there's an action to it, the offering, the, uh, the choosing. And those are th- things of action that we need to do if we are going to deal with those unexpected things in our life. We can't just, you know, fight, flight, and freeze. We need to take a deep breath, and then we need to act. Um, next point is is that we need to pray expectantly. And uh, when I was at, um, when I first came to Church of the Rock, I came to the Church of the Rock in 2010, and I used to sit in the back seats where you, some, of you, some of you folks are there. And, uh, you know, I had a pastor always say this, actually. He said, uh, you always have to be careful uh, work, uh, sitting in the back seats because that's where the Holy Spirit really works. So, so if you're sitting in the back seat, just, just uh, uh, be aware. And, uh, but uh, um, anyway, uh, 10 years ago, I came on staff. And uh, one of the things I really noticed about the church, Church of the Rock in particular, was they really prayed expectantly, like that there was a real expectation that God would answer prayers. Now, from my background and stuff, I didn't always pray like that. I would pray more like with qualified prayers, like heal this person, if it be your will, sort of thing, prayer like that. But that's not the way we see Jesus praying, right? That there was this action of prayer, like, you know... uh, be healed, or you know, or making the blind man see—all those types of things—that there was a, um, that there was unqualified expectation, and when we pray, and my favorite example of that was when so when I first came on in 2013, um, I got a phone call from this lady, and uh, she was uh, 92 years old, and uh, she was worried about her daughter. So can you imagine, 92 years old, and she's still worried about her daughter. So for you mothers out there, your job at least goes until you're 92. And, uh, and she's worried about her daughter, because her daughter had had a severe heart trouble, heart failure, and she was uh, in the Paw, Manitoba, and she actually got airlifted to Winnipeg because her life was in serious danger. So anyway, I uh, went to Health Science Center, and when I saw the lady there, uh, it didn't necessarily fill me full of faith because she was full of tubes coming all out of her and, and she looked t- terrible. And, uh, but nevertheless, I prayed expectantly, prayed in faith that she would be healed. And then anyways, a couple of days later, I went back to the hospital and she had a lot less tubes running out of her and plus she was sitting up and she was able to talk. And 
I found out from her that when she uh, was originally airlifted, that that they expected that they were going to have this huge surgery uh, for her. But when they tested her again, after I had prayed expectantly for her, she got healed. And what a miracle, eh? And uh, yeah, you can give the Lord a hand. But that's the power of expectant prayer. When we sometimes think that, uh, you know, letting God off the hook, we don't need to do that. We just pray in faith that God is going to work. And my favorite example of somebody that prays expectantly is the prophet Nehemiah. And so, uh, to uh, if you know Nehemiah's story, so uh, the uh, kingdom of uh, Judah and Israel, they both actually fall. They come, come under the captivity, under the uh, dominance of Babylon. And uh, Nehemiah, he's a Jew, and he is a cupbearer for the king. And so that's his place in life. And, uh, but then some unexpected news comes to him. And this is the unexpected news that the walls of Jerusalem, his hometown, have been burned down and that many people have been killed. And uh, he prays. And he is sad, like he talks about him being in sackcloth and ashes. He's mourning, he's weeping, and all these types of things. But yet, even in that moment, he prays expectantly. And he says this, he prays, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And this man is, of course, the king. And so he is asking actually a very specific, expectant prayer. Today you have to work, and today you need to grant me in favor in front of the most powerful man at that time, the king of Babylon. And so what's striking for me is how he holds those two together, the reverence for God, but at the very same time, he expects God to act. And uh, then the story goes on. Actually, four months of time goes by. And then he, he talks to the king. And then this is what happens. It said, So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Can you rep- say the next part with me? I was very much afraid, but... I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where I was, where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is that what you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. And if you know actually how he answered the king, he goes on to ask for a bunch of stuff. He gets a whole forest. He gets a letter giving him free passage to that area. Gets a bunch of people to help him and all of those things. But he don't forget that it began with that very specific prayer. Lord, I was very much afraid, but when we are courageous, it doesn't mean that we don't fear, right? But it means we are able to walk through the fear to do what God has for us. And uh, what was interesting to me in those verses, too, is when the, um, when the king asks him, what does he want? He says, 
I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, I don't think this is what happened. I don't think he went to the king. The king asked him the question and said, oh, can you excuse me while I pray to my foreign God? And he kneels down. No, no. It's like a God help me prayer. I actually, I made fun of my tech team earlier on. I'll do it again. And uh, the uh, technician, when he was helping me with the, the, um, just with putting on the mic, said, God help me, or or something like that, because in the moment we were getting a little close to when we needed to do things. and, uh, And God actually answered his prayer. So it was actually fantastic. But those things, even those God help me prayers, when we're in the, right in the midst of things, that God hears them as well. And I actually hear non-Christians praying like that too. You ever hear that? Something bad happens to them? Something unexpected? God help me. And God even hears that prayer. Isn't that something? And so, uh, but it all got started with prayer. So when the unexpected happened, prayer made all the difference. Um, let me wrap up uh, today with an illustration. And uh, you know there's all these great heroes of the faith, but you could actually look at each of them and you could see how they were part of a community, how they acted in faith, and how they prayed expectantly. And so the story I'm going to use is actually from uh, Martin Luther. And uh, Martin Luther, he is the uh, father of the Protestant Reformation. love him for all sorts of reasons, probably not least of which is because he's German, just like me. And uh, he is German. In case you didn't know, I was German. My last name's Hoffman. Okay, literally Hoffman. My, on my mother's side, I'm German as well. And I have a huge blockhead. This is as German as it gets. And, uh, and so anyway, what I appreciated about him was that uh, he was a man. Sometimes people think that he, you know, he nailed the 95 theses on the Wittenberg doors, that he did everything all by himself, uh, you know, translate the New Testament. But he was part of a group of hundreds of people that actually began the Protestant uh, Reformation. We actually have 3,700 letters of his where he corresponded back and forth with people. He was somebody that was very much a part of community. And of course he acted, and of course, and he was a man of prayer. It said, this is one of my favorite quotes of his, is that somebody asked him about all the work that he had to do, and he said, I have so much work to do, I have to spend another two hours in prayer this morning. You know, because he understood the power of prayer. And so, but one of these letters that he received, um, he received from, uh, from uh, a person that was very close to him, and it's, his name's Frederick Mykonos. And uh, Frederick Mykonos was close to dying. And uh, he writes a letter to Luther to tell him of his, uh, you know, his eminent uh, demise. And uh, then when Luther gets the letter, he actually writes back to him, and then this is what uh, this is what he writes back to his friend who is dying. And uh, honestly, I, I find this to be one of the funniest prayers I've ever I've ever heard. And it says this: This is Martin Luther. I command thee, in the name of God, to live, because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. You can tell he's German, because he tells, he tells his co-worker, you cannot be dead. There's too much work to be done. I have work for you to do. You can't be dead. And I get such a kick out of it. And, um, but what an expectant prayer. And actually, history tells us, you know, when Luther prayed that he would out-survive Luther, he actually out-survived Luther by two months. He died two months after Luther's passing, that God answered that prayer. 
So if we as a community, if we are going to expect the unexpected, if we are going to walk successfully through those times, we need to give community a chance, we need to act on our faith, and we need to pray expectantly. And then, when the unexpected comes into our life, we will be able to handle it with the grace that God gives each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.